Johnny, Johnny Cribs, Chris Funderburg. The Pink Smoke Podcast. Here we go. New season. It's kind of funny. We don't usually refer to seasons of the podcast, but like this is kind of it's been a while since we've sat down to record and we're kind of going into our next our next phase of recording and we're kicking it off with the Toronto Film Festival 2023 preview episode. Yes. John, I have got to say, I am so psyched for the festival this year. Not just the lineup, but I think our plan of going half as long and staying at a hotel twice as nice, right there in the middle of things, right there in the streets they close down and have, you know, various celebrities and food vendors. Yeah, me too. It's a sensible decision. That's one of the nice things of being older. When, you know, you're younger, you think, I'm going to just, you know, going to go all out buffet on this fucking festival. I'm going to watch as many movies as I can. I'm going to watch seven movies a day for 10 days straight. And, you know, I'm going to move from one theater to another. No sleep. You know, yeah. just watch as many, just absorb as much art as you can. Like and we, and we, but we did that for 12 or 14 years. Right. You're saying it like, like <laughs> we did that for a couple of years and now we've slowed down. We did that for a decade and a half. No, I'm saying I'm ready to slow down now. <laughs> now I'm like, you know, it'd be nice taking a two, maybe three movies, get to bed early. You know, <laughs> nothing sounds nicer than that. I think for me, it's, you know, I'm still like four or five, but I'm not going to push it in every single slot. I'm going to go to lunch when I want to. And I do. And I do like staying in a fancy hotel and not not necessarily penny pinching in the in the way we have in the past and and just sort of you know doing it up this way but i think that beyond that i think what makes me completely psyched this year let let me ask you right at the front is this the best lineup or the lineup you're most excited for for any tiff you've ever been to this lineup made my eyes just stretch into the back of my skull i was completely astonished to look at the kind of films are going to be here the filmmakers who represented here it's some of the greatest filmmakers who ever lived are going to have a yeah. new film at this year's festival well it's here's the thing absolutely amazing it's if for me i was like is this the greatest lineup ever i don't i don't know it's the most excited i've ever been for tiff because the highs are really high and they just happen to have picked a bunch of filmmakers that I personally give an incredible shit about. You know what I mean? That just yeah. like, there's a bunch of filmmakers in here who are, it's it's hard to say if they're my all-time favorites. I don't know. That's a weird thing is like, where where in my top 50 filmmakers does Frederick Wiseman rank? You know, I don't fucking know how to rate any of that. But I do know that it's a bunch of filmmakers that I personally am excited for their new movies. You know, more than any other filmmakers like if you made me pick like 12 filmmakers in the world that you would be most excited for their new movies springing up at you i'd be like you know uh you know victor Ricci. <laughs> just kidding he hasn't made a movie in 31 years john there's no chance of that exactly it's just that level of like oh my god a new Catherine brea movie for the first time in 10 years i mean it's just that level of exciting is that and last when abuse of weaknesses yeah, is it that long? That's fucking crazy. That, that, that was feels when I got like to the sit new down one. and watch John Waters' interview with Isabel Huppert. It was ten years ago. It doesn't seem like it. 
It does not at all. If you had made me guess, I would have guessed that movie is 2016. But that's another part of us being old is having no everything is just earlier. And the new thing, quote unquote, is 10 to 15 years old. You know, the thing <laughs> yes. that's like new, you know, is is <laughs> is well is ancient at this point. Yeah, my daughter still seems new. She's 13 years old. <laughs> Well, exactly. That's a little bit true. My son, who's also thirteen, is uh, is does feel very much like that's that's the new thing in my life that I just now got going on. He feels new to me, absolutely. (laughs) So let's let's dig into it. The way we do this each year is uh, that we do five films we're excited for each. Uh, three wild cards and one movie we're going to stay away from altogether. I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be bigger than that i think we have more to say and more stuff we're interested in more things we want to want to talk about right yeah and i've got just kind of like little bits little nuggets here and there about tons of movies i just kind of went through the full list and yeah i got some stuff to say about almost everything and, and I, I should say before we get started yeah based on our last episode let's be nice to canada this year Let's not make any mean comments about the country itself. But Canada's gone fucking insane. I know. I, I know. We got to We got to lay off. Even though, <laughs> even though there is literally a Nickelback documentary playing at the festival <laughs> this year, we got to be nice to Canadians. I didn't look at that so closely. I got the impression that Nickelback was just there, that they were just doing like a, <laughs> like just, just hanging out. At it. I didn't notice it was a Nickelback documentary. Everyone's on strike, but Nickelback is available. <laughs> uh, Johnny Cribs. I, there's going to be a ton of crossover here for us. Uh, yes. So what's what's the film you're most excited for at this festival? It's so hard to pick a most excited from this. I know. I know. It's a whole slate of excitement. But like you've already said it uh I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying his name wrong, Victor Arise, because that's the way I've known it for so long. Ariche, <laughs> right, is the correct way. To I don't, say it. I don't know. I was just corrected by somebody recently who said Ariche, and I was like, I don't know what? how to pronounce his name. I do know I love him <laughs> yes. very dearly. I do know that it was kind of a magical thing that I just happened to rewatch his entire his entire filmography this year because it's a full <laughs> wow. three movies. What um, an undertaking! Since I was on Spencer's podcast and we talked about Spirit of the Beehive and Elser, uh, which and and you know every time you revisit those films, you fall in love all over again. You learn something new from that work. I mean, they are literally two of the most important pieces of heart in my life, and for I think I know a lot of other incredible, too. so yeah. incredible, and not and to leave Dream of Light out of it. But... No, Dream of Light is also phenomenal, and uh, so just researching that like looking up and saying okay i want to make sure i get my dates right I want to make sure i know where this was filmed i saw he's he we were expecting a new film from him this year 2023 out of nowhere i mean this is the kind of thing where it's like okay he makes one movie a decade you know he made a film in the 70s 80s and 90s but we got no new feature-length film in the in the aughts so it was like oh maybe he's done maybe he's never going to have a new one so to have one just conjure out of nowhere, out of thin air. And so they'd be like, there yeah. will be a new film by this man this year was shocking. Just this, shocking. This is my Terrence Malick coming back for the thin red line. Oh yeah. This is this is my Kubrick makes eyes wide shut. You know, this is mm-hmm. but it's even bigger and even longer gaps, right? Than those films. It's oh, absolutely it's, it's 30 years, so like you said. Stunning. It's so first stunning. First feature film in 30 years, first narrative film in 40 years. First one yeah. since El Sur. So it's a huge deal. Uh, you know, I've I haven't 
I've purposely not read much about it, but I know that Anna Torrent is going to appear in the film. Is that true? Example. Don't yeah. tell me any more. I'm I trying to go in But it was shot blind. in Almeria, Granada, uh, Madrid. It's going to be, I just, this is a movie that I cannot miss. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's very inconveniently scheduled for the press and industry screening, but like, nothing's going to beat this one. You know, if I really look at this list hard. Wait, wait, there's... wait. It's not scheduled against the Eagles game, is it? It's not. It's scheduled okay. on the first day. Everything is the first day for the press and industry. That's like yeah. going to be the big quandary this year is that like there's going to be some tough choices. Well, that's also part of we should mention part of the reason we're not going for the full festival uh, is the last few times we've been, especially last year, the last the second half of the festival last year for press and industry felt empty. It felt not even like, oh, there's a bunch of movies I don't really want to see. It was like two movies a day, just like for the last four, three or four days. It felt completely, completely empty. The the programming at TIFF has been extremely variable for a few years, but it's so massive that it that it sort of doesn't matter in a certain way. There's just so many movies that like, unless it's a small section like Midnight Madness, which has been uniformly terrible for going on a decade, you don't really notice the sort of iffiness of the programming, except last year in the second half of the, the festival, it was like, there's nothing here. There's not even yeah. dregs. Like I would go see, you know, the freaking you know, Quebecois movie about refugees. You know what I mean? I would go, I would go see that right now. There's just nothing here. And uh, so this year, though, also feels incredibly front loaded. It feels incredibly, incredibly front loaded. Super duper front loaded. But yeah, last year you literally had to choose between going to see a movie and like sitting and staring at your hands for two hours. Like either one was a compelling decision comparatively, but yeah, uh, super front loaded. There are just going to be some tough choices to make these first couple days at the festival. So, uh, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But this one, if you ask me like, which one I'm most excited about, I'd have to say, close your eyes, the new Victor Arice movie, because it's the one that like, I would not skip. I will not skip. You know? Yes. This is the one that like, if you had told me it's up against the Eagles game, I would have been like, Oh shit, I'm going to miss the Eagles home opener for the first time. If, since I was like, 10 years old you know like yeah. that's how big like there's never been a movie at tiff where i've been like i guess i'll miss the eagles game tiff always coincides with the opening weekend of nfl football you and i are uh philadelphia eagles fans as gentlemen of taste and grace and dignity uh the words most associated with eagles fans that um i would i've just never missed their opener i've always there's never been a film that's even given me pause not even my number one pick which i think is most people's number one pick for this series are, are my first pick. My number one pick is also Close Your Eyes, my first pick of my five, which is The Boy and the Heron by Hayao Miyazaki. Um, this movie, uh, obviously, you know, there's all the tales about the, the scalp tickets for the first public screening going for like 400 bucks and stuff like that, right? This is the movie that people are dying to get into that are absolutely crazy to get into. Uh, you and I, I think, are two of those people. Uh, fortunately, it has a bunch of press and industry screenings. I think it has four P&I screenings. It's, it's showing a bunch for press and industry. Um, Obviously, this is super exciting in a way that that the Victor Arice movie is also exciting because we were told Wind Rises is he's retiring. That's his last right. one. Right. You're never going to get one again. And now we're getting another Miyazaki movie. For those of you who don't know, Miyazaki is the director of uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky. 
and nothing else of note. Spirited Away, <laughs> Princess Mononoke, How's uh, Moving Castle, My Neighbor Totoro, obviously one of the titans of cinema of all time, one of the all-time legendary directors. What's also funny about this movie and the tickets getting scalped and there being such a rush is that The Wind Rises was like, um, all right, man, I owe it to you. I'll see this movie, like based on the description, like you've, I I owe you uh, whatever you want to make. I'll go see it. I owe it to you. It wasn't like, oh, that's going to, that sounds great. I don't think, and I don't think anyone in the world heard the description of the wind rises and was like, I, I, I can't wait. This one sounds like a Miyazaki movie. Wind rises sounds like his swan song. He's going to do whatever he wants audience be damned just make a film that he's always meant to make this sounds like a real miyazaki movie the this movie sounds he's going to integrate uh, plot points for the magic mountain into it you know <laughs> yeah it's going to be scratching their heads a little bit but hey i'm miyazaki <laughs> that's how i'm going to go out yeah but this one is going to be uh, there's every reason to believe it's going to be another miyazaki movie there's a you know and what's the what's the floor for miyazaki ponyo so like an a yeah. <laughs> an a you know, Lupin the third. I don't know. Um, soft A is is the the worst he could do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So there's no reason not to be super duper psyched for this. I don't feel like we need to go into it in great detail. It's you know, Miyazaki animated film. What do you need right. a roadmap? You know. <laughs> No, I mean, just mentioning, you know, the kind of scalp tickets and people being excited. I'm like, let's get up early that day and make sure we get into that movie. Um, but yeah, that, we that have other chances exciting, to obviously. see it, though. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so like my number two, and it's one that is directly in conflict with Close Your Eyes. I'm going to have to skip it, I think. It's Together 99, Lucas Moodison's, uh sequel to the film Together, which is one of my favorite movies. Definitely one of my favorite movies of the really? last Really? 25 years or so yeah i love that film i think it's fantastic i watch it once a year um and this obviously is a sequel that as the title indicates moves the action has the same characters from 1975 to 1999 so 24 years that's how long that movie came out that's when that last movie came out so everyone's going to be aged up appropriately and uh that's all i know about it but you know what more do you need to know i'd be curious to see where these characters are in their lives i think it's a really cool idea moodison obviously has made some great films recently one that we both love we are the best yes so, you know there's every indication that he's still at the top of his game so i was really super excited to see this one and i, I definitely will at some point whether i see their tip or not i don't know because it's it's direct competition with the reaches film so it's going to be tough but that's one that i'm really excited to see at some point hopefully hopefully on this trip <laughs> that's interesting you know i don't like together that much okay. mm -hmm. uh it's a maybe because i've known a lot of people like those characters in my life and i find them as a you know unitarian who spent some time in scandinavia i feel like i know that exact kind of person quite well and have had enough of them in my own life um but that was on i have like a list of films that are like i i have every reason to go into these movies with an open mind that they'll be good you know, and that mm -hmm. that's sort of the secondary list that I had that included this one where it's like Moodison's a really interesting director. He made, like you mentioned, We Are the Best, which is one of my all time favorite movies and made a lot of other really interesting movies that, that I think are good. He can descend into Euro miserabilism sometime, you know, just sort of yeah. like abject 
emotional, moral misery. And he doesn't with Together. And so there's no reason to think like you're going to go to a, a particularly dark place with him uh, with this one either. It's, it's funny that that era, that phase of his career with Lila Forever and Hole in My Heart and things yeah. like that, that's what people know him for, you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. Uh, you know, the early films fucking them all in together and his more recent films, yeah. that's where it's at. You know, those he's a sweetheart. Yes. <laughs> he he is. He's got a great, great heart. He and, he uh, is. Yeah. And it doesn't doesn't have to be all misery and suicide and, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> and home pornography. It can be, there, there can be sweetness as well. And I imagine Together 99 will be that level of, you know, enjoyable yeah. sweetness. So um that's that's an interesting one that one was sort of not borderline for me but there's the second group of like i have every reason to think these movies to be hopeful for these movies even though they're sort of small personal red flags for me in some way well my easier for you to skip it (laughs) yes my next one that i'm very excited to see is uh the pigeon tunnel by errol morris um do you i mean errol morris is that's somebody that I would feel confident saying Errol Morris is one of my five all-time favorite filmmakers, that Errol Morris is a movie. No filmmaker do his movies do I know more inside and out than Errol Morris. No filmmaker has influenced me philosophically and morally as a human being more than Errol Morris, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they just, uh, they may be Louis Spoonwell, but other than that, I, it's just, you know, and it's about John LeCare. If the spy novelist, uh, it seems like, you know, what what could go wrong? You know, the 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 only the only uh, reason to think this won't be something I love is that, you know, his uh, Elsa Dorfman movie is his not his worst movie, his worst movie, standard operating procedure. But Elsa Dorfman uh, about the the portrait photographer uh, is just a regular documentary. It could be made by anybody. It's one of those follow around with a camera to her studio, talk to her a little bit films. It's very generic. It's very uninteresting. Um, Even as she's an incredibly talented and interesting artist, it's, it's a very sort of generic doc type doc. It's almost shocking that he made it when I look back on it. There's some chance, I guess this could be that only I think LeCare is, he's not a photographer. He's a wordsmith and he's somebody who I have every reason to think will be more interesting in front of the camera. And it's the new Errol Morris doc. I mean, the chances of it not being fantastic are just so abysmally low that, that I can't even entertain them. I'm super psyched for it. Yeah, it's funny to think I when I initially saw New Errol Morris and I'm thinking like, oh, I don't know, the B-side and my psychedelic love story I'm thinking are his last two movies and they were a little disappointing. You know, they weren't necessarily bad, but they just weren't up yeah. to, they weren't like at his top. And I completely forgot that like American Dharma came between those two films. Yeah. We saw that at Tip and that blew both of us away. Yeah, so and American like, Dharma being a total masterpiece. Being Do the, I have to the... like worry about Morris like, you know, on a slump, like in, you know, a late career <laughs> slump with American Dharma, not, you know, what, four years old, however long ago that movie came out. It's like, obviously, I can trust an Errol Morris. And when I found out it was about Lucari, it was like, oh, wow, I was just talking about him extensively on our Spy Movies podcast, you know, episode. <laughs> So I'm very excited. I have no idea. Did he actually do interviews with Lucare before he passed away? Is this just kind of like a just, a, just like a more traditional looking back on his life and like archive footage and stuff? I don't know what to expect. So I'm really curious about it. Yes, he's it's his last interview before he died. Oh, it is. OK, great. Yeah. 
And uh, I don't know why it took uh, several years for it to be completed, but it is. It's an interview film. That's the other thing is it seems to just be an interview film like you would most associate with them. So it's going to be I mean, that'll be great. How I'm so excited. John, I'm so excited for this festival. (laughs) There's going to be so many movies I'm going to be walking into thinking this is going to be great. I've never I've never read a Lucari book in my life. Yeah, but, you know, I have seen interviews with him. I've seen obviously the movie adaptations and Tinker Taylor, the TV version. And it's always like this guy's fascinating. Like he's just got like every time he talks, it's an interesting story. He knows his history. So, I, you know, I have no reason to believe it's not going to be great. You know, it's funny. I know so little about his work that when Marcus Penn was like, let's go see the Master Gardener uh, this summer. And he and I went and I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even realize it was a Paul Schrader movie. I thought <laughs> this must have something to do with the constant gardener. I bet this is like, yeah, I bet these are related somehow. That's how little, that's how out of touch I am, John. I floated (laughs) way out of touch with the world. As you mentioned at the beginning, we haven't recorded a podcast together since like February of last year, maybe March, February of 2023. This is going up in like three days. Uh, So quick turnaround on this. So you and I haven't been doing this. I've had a lot of like health and personal life problems that have prevented me from recording anything and and really being out in the world much. And so to get back into it, to get back on the horse and and do this kind of uh, stuff is very, very exciting to me. This is the way to do it. Yeah, with this lineup, it's, how can you not get excited? However, and I, I should stop bringing up scheduling issues because that's not interesting to talk about. But like, <laughs> I will tell you, if we are going strictly by the press and industry screening, mm-hmm. My my next pick that I'm throwing out there, obviously a pick for both of us, is going to be Frederick Wiseman's new movie. And yeah. at 240 minutes, four hours, it runs into the Errol Morris. So we're going to have to decide if we want to leave that one early to catch the Pigeon uh, Tunnel. It's going to be another hard decision. We'll see. There's always a workaround. We'll figure something out. But, you know. Yes, I have a, work- a, schedule- I have a yeah. good workaround for that. But go good, on. Good. Uh, yeah. But anyway, it's the new Frederick. It's the- <laughs> What more you need to say? The new Frederick Wiseman. I mean, this guy, he's 93 years old. He's still churning them out, and they're all masterpieces. Uh, I mean, just thinking of like all the great Wiseman films we've seen at TIFF, Boxing Gym, Crazy Horse, Monrovia, Indiana. We watched City Hall at Marcus Pinn's apartment the year of COVID, the year of uh, the pandemic, yeah. when uh, everything was uh, shown remote. We went and sat down for four hours to watch City Hall at Marcus. I was sitting on Marcus's floor the entire time watching this movie. <laughs> That's how excited we get for Frederick Wiseman movies and why, you know, I always am going to think of him when I think about going to the festival because it's just a great treat to be able to see his films in this new one. He's back in France, just like he was in Crazy Horse. La fille du crazy. <laughs> and La Dance. And this time it's about a family who owns and operates a Michelin three-star restaurant. A three-star I love it. I can't wait. It's going to be great. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this. Menus Passier Les Trois Gros. Trois Gros? Sure, John. Like I'm gonna do any better. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do way worse. That's what it is. It's New Frederick Wiseman. Who needs a title? We don't just tell me. It's just call it New Frederick Wiseman. I'm in. He's always done movies sort of about like Neiman Marcus and fashion models. You know, as sort of a he's he's seen as being somebody who does like housing projects and court you know and things like that and sort of grim you know Titicat Follies his most famous movie as having picking institutions that are grim to look at but he has especially later in his career throughout his career he's looked at uh sort of more high-end institutions but later in his career he's sort of picked more like you know 
French ballet companies and French strip clubs and and things like that to focus on. And I sort of I don't begrudge him as a very old man just going hanging out in a fancy restaurant to make your documentary. Like he can he's done enough. He can spend his his elder years however he wants to. And that's and that's without even um criticizing the movies these have been fantastic movies crazy horse is one of my one of my very favorite favorite uh frederick wiseman movies i was going to say top five and i was like how the fuck would i even pick a top five of that but one of my very favorite frederick wiseman's movies it has so much vitality and so much life and such a, a sense of humor didn't we see national gallery at tiff as well i feel like we've seen a ton of of that of was the there. year i i didn't go so uh, I okay i certainly would have if i had gone yeah um so that must be the reason but i i love that he you know recently has switched back and forth between doing you know city hall you know a giant you know mm. uh, the you know whole a massive epic you know work about boston the city of boston yeah. and how it's run and then could do boxing gym about you know this little business yeah. you know so i love him going back and forth between the big ideas and the little ones so i'm excited for another little one that focuses specifically on these small group of characters and this small business i think that's going to be fantastic is he, is he the only filmmaker who's never missed a step in his entire career? Like he's 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 putting out at the end of his life and so sustained just decade after decade after decade of absolute masterpieces. Just going through my head, it's like he has in this run, he has Jackson Heights in this run. He's yeah. just got so many like. Just, I don't think anybody has ever done it as sustained at that high of a level and just uniform excellence as Wiseman. I don't think it's I, been done. I, I don't know about specifically like, you know, consistency of greatness, but certainly the, the fact that he has been Frederick Wiseman for decades. Yeah. You know, and he has just never changed what he's interested in. He's never like lost that level of fascination and intrigue and uh, creativity i mean i think that is completely unparalleled i can't think of anyone else who has been so consistently them as a filmmaker for so long you think of like a lot of filmmakers having like oh and this is you know his hollywood phase and this is his you know going back to the basics phase yeah. or whatever or this even sell out movie yeah. it, it, like you know it's, he's always frederick weisman he's never going to be he would never sell out he was has never changed you know who he is he works with all the same people every single film and like it's the kind of thing where you're just like, you know, I hope he lives to 120 and makes films up to the age 120. And, and there's that, never been like, a kind of like sloppiness as uh, during the transition to the digital era. Like you look at like yeah. what happens to like the Maisels brothers who make things that like are hard to even consider films at a certain point, you know, and that happens or Errol Morris. Errol Morris has been making absolute masterpieces and he's, you know, he's got like three in there that are like not that great. You know, I don't know sure. if Wiseman has three in there that are not that great. I, I certainly can't think of any off, off the top I've, of my head. I've certainly never seen a Wiseman that I didn't love. Um, there's the one he did of the play, like the filmed of the play that's called his only narrative film sometimes. Oh, yeah. I've never it, seen that one. Yeah. That, the, that one's letters movie. Yeah. Yeah. That one's fine. That one's fine. The, it's bound by the play is is good, but you should see it as a play, not as a, as an Aramorse documentary. Sure. Yeah. Um, what, 
is my next pick. Is that what we're moving on to? I was yeah, about to ask it. Up. Is it is it on mine? Uh, I am picking um, Shadow of Fire by Shinya Sukamoto. Shinya uh, Su- yes. <laughs> uh, Sukamoto has slowly over the past few years, he's always been a director I liked and admired where he's, he's really like my favorite like i'm merging with him somehow as an audience member like i i am tetsu kind of way right exactly your your medals are merging i am like the cityscape or he is the cityscape that i'm getting like subsumed in like (laughs) intellectually and artistically when i think about the world and sort of like engulfed in he's very he's a filmmaker that I, you know, he makes very low budget, sloppy, off the cuff sort of uh, uh, movies, very sort of loose films. So you can't sit here and be like, oh, he's out here creating masterpiece after masterpiece. You know, I, I remember his version of Fire on the Plane describing it as like looking like Platoon if it were made by Troma, right? Like it has, there is a certain low budget sloppiness to um, a lot of his work. Although some of them like killing when he wants to get refined, get very, very refined. But I think the the sloppiness and that's part of the fun. So I'm not here saying like he's a master who makes masterpieces. What I'm saying about him is he's somebody who finds a way to make intensely personal films quickly without the barriers of studio interference and crew and and all of that kind of stuff. You sort of feel like his presence like you're standing there in the room with him when you make the movies like there's no barrier like if a a film is a letter you receive from an artist you know that his letters have not been vetted it was hand delivered to me by him just a folded piece of paper that he put directly in my hand it didn't even go through the postal service you know what i mean like there's not even an envelope on it it's him walking i'm saying oh chris i wrote this for you that's sort of the artistic immediacy that you get from a sukomoto film that that the the liveliness and the looseness of it and the off the cuffness of it um and and really make it an easy connection for me and it's what i'm looking for in my own art too where this i should also mention that this year i had a film called the lizard laugh that i produced that was playing at a bunch of festivals and so i had a very festival experience this year going around to a lot of things looking at a lot of artworks and a lot of other filmmakers on my level who are still at the outside level although we played some fantastic uh, festivals like the Chattanooga Film Festival and the Florida Film Festival and lots of good festivals. Too many. I'm forgetting all of them. I forgive. I, I forgive you. I ask for forgiveness if I we played at your festival and I forgot. But um, but it was really, uh, you know, what do I want to accomplish with movies? What do what do I want to be? What are the filmmakers I want to see and to talk to? And it's not like I want to be on a track to someday make a Star Wars movie. I mean, A, that that train would have passed 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> but it really is like, what do I want to be? It's I want to be Sukamoto. That's what I want to be able to do, to make intensely personal, weird, uh, idiosyncratic, wholly original works on the very low budget, on the on the very directness, to have sort of the emotional and aesthetic directness of those films. And so, I again... As you know, I try not to find out anything about the movies that if I know I'm interested, if I see a name and a title and a thumb one line description, I don't want to know anything else. 
you know? And so this one, I don't know anything about it, except that it's a new Sukamoto and that I think that he's, he's operating. I know his most famous films are earlier in his career, but I think he's operating at the highest level he's ever operated at. I think Kotoko sends him into another gear and the films since then um, are his best. And so I, I really like where he's at. I'm with you. And, you know, because of Kotoko, he's another filmmaker I will always associate with the Toronto Film Festival as that was one of the most memorable screenings of my entire life, seeing that film. Uh, and he's a lot like Wiseman, although much less prolific in that he has had this consistent artistic agency throughout his entire career. He has one or two films that are a little more kind of genre oriented, but yeah. he's someone who you just you can't believe like what great power he's got just over his own artwork. And yeah, yeah. That is, that's just very invigorating to think about. Yeah. You can't believe that he keeps getting to make them. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, obviously that's a killing. We saw a tiff. So, you know, this is the new one at tiff again. So uh, Sukumoto is another director who I thank you Toronto for giving me a chance <laughs> to go see these movies that otherwise certainly would not have been available to me to see on the big screen. So yeah, they take for oh yeah, would did Killing even show on the big screen? I don't know. No idea. No yeah. idea. What kind of release it got. I don't even have to worry about that because I'm going to see it at the festival. Right. I don't even <laughs> have right. to worry about it. <laughs> and I think he's got two new movies uh, uh, coming out. So this is one of two that we can expect. That's uh, also exciting. That'll um, be great. On the other end of the. Uh, cinema of transgression <laughs> I could throw out this <laughs> phrase that my wife Jordy loves um we've got Catherine Brea right whose new movie last summer is her first one in 10 years yeah it stars uh Leah Drucker who I never recognize when I see her but she's like from in my skin she's from the blue room all of these very underrated masterpieces yeah French cinema that it's like oh that sounds like a pretty good pairing and of course abuse of weakness is great it's fantastic so um, I, I, I like Sukumoto. I have stayed away from the plot. I know it's like been made, like this book has been adapted recently, like as another French film. It's like a redo of that book. So that's kind of a weird thing that, uh, oh, interesting. I wonder what the story is with, with that. Um, you know, Brea just like was like, well, I don't care if it's been made. I've got my own take on it. And she just went ahead and made this movie anyway. Um, and Brea is someone who I feel like is always in danger of uh falling out of favor you know she's had obviously she's she's Catherine Brea she's she's gonna she's gonna say controversial things she's gonna kind of uh turn people off a little bit with her uh opinions and even with her her films you know are going to not be for everybody so someone I'm always worried like doesn't get brought up enough like in terms of her importance as like literally one of the most interesting filmmakers of her time uh certainly coming out of France and so yeah cannot wait I think this is going to be the first movie of the festival based on our schedule. So that's going to be a great way to start it off. Yeah. And for people who don't know Brayat, I mean, she's one of the, the sort of, or, you know, is she part of the new French extremity? She certainly goes further than any of them, but her most famous film is probably fat girl. Although she also made a movie called a real young girl, um, based on uh, a book she wrote that was very, very notorious. She also did romance and, and sexist comedy. She did two movies. I had hated her when I was young. I found her provocations to be very empty and, and found her to be selling something repulsive. You know, she was provocative and I was provoked, right? Mm -hmm. um, she made two movies back to back, Last Mistress and Bluebeard, that I loved so much 
that I had to pull the like, I was completely wrong about this person. This is an incredibly interesting, talented, thoughtful, precise director. And I and I was wrong. I was wrong about her work and I got to go back and re-experience it. And I still don't necessarily love a lot of the earlier films, but I love um, those those three uh, that, the well, the three real ones. She also made Sleeping Beauty in there, but Abuse of Weakness, uh, Bluebeard and... and um, Last Mistress, that I just think those are three phenomenal, phenomenal films. But you're right also, you're there is a bit of like, oh, are we ever getting something else from her? She's been around for a really long time. She's like a lot of these filmmakers, she's getting up there in age. And Bluebeard and Sleeping Beauty both have a um, obvious low budget quality to them that makes you feel like, is she just done? Is she like out the door? Is she not going to be able to get money to do anything anymore? Is it going to sort of, is as interesting as Sleeping Beauty is, it it's, feels like Godard's Weekend made for 15 cents and it almost doesn't feel like a real movie. So seeing her with this film, that's obviously um, got a, a, um, uh, a fairly large budget, large release kind of thing, or it, or it looks, um, it, it, God, what am I stumbling for? It looks like a real movie. You know, it looks like a real movie. There's no reason to think that it won't be her, um, operating, uh, with the, with the resources to be at top level. I'm very excited for it. She's a very exciting filmmaker to me. Yeah. I had no, the same thought that like, I'm worried she's never going to get another chance. And now that she has, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah. What do you got next, Chris? I think we're I think we're at four each now. We got one more each, something like that. Yeah. I've lost, I've lost count. We've each done four. Um, so this will be well, this of this I'm going to rely on you to pick the other one correctly, because I have two left that I'm very psyched for. Um, which is one is Hitman by Richard Linkletter. Um I it's Glenn Powell and Richard Linkletter. They were work together on everybody wants some Linkletter is a filmmaker that I was in the same category of sort of you're there going what's up with him you know is he still is he still making movies what's he doing when was the last one you know he's somebody that um has been in and out of sort of um making good movies you know that that he's throughout his entire career it's not like he's been consistent he's making things and it seems like i guess his moment is passed almost from the beginning slacker was one of those things that felt like in dazed and confused it was like is this is this like a one-off and then suburbia newton boys and you're like oh i guess he's done you know i guess that guy <laughs> it's his career is over and he'll disappear you know he'll pull a, a greg Araki where it's just like he was a hot thing and now he just does tv shows or what the fuck ever you know um so i wasn't sure what he was doing especially you know and like last flag flying i think is the last one of his i saw as much as i like him the last two did not look super interesting to me one sort of came and went with me wanting to see it not being able to see it um and i don't know i'm just excited for this one i like glenn powell i love link letter uh link letter made this short called another day at the office i think is what it's called that's um have you seen that one john no, mm -mm. it's him 
at his house, which is in Texas somewhere, presumably, feeding like the farm animals on this little farm he has while on a conference call doing script development with like a trio of young executives, right? Who are like giving him notes like, um, what about the dinner table scene? I don't think the dinner table scene is really playing and is necessary, you know, and it's about him getting older and sort of still having to have these phone calls about like trying to get his movies made and talking to people who clearly don't get it, even if they have a lot of respect for him and sort of seeming like he doesn't know what he wants to do. And then the second half of the film is him talking with his therapist about it um, and sort of talking about how, like, if you had made me guess when I was a kid, um, what my career would be, everything I've done has so far exceeded my wildest dreams that, that it's just beyond anything I could have ever expected. And I feel like I'm sort of in a dream with this, you know, kind of thing, um, that it just has me thinking about his career in a different way since I've seen that short and where he's at and what he's trying to accomplish. He's a filmmaker that, um, if you didn't get such a sense of his personality from some of his works from like waking life or slacker, right. If you didn't get like such a direct look into the face of him as a filmmaker, you'd feel like this guy feels like he gets lost, you know, like he gets a little lost and doesn't know what he's doing. But I think it's more, he's like a searcher who's constantly looking for new things to do and looking for new approaches. And sometimes it really, really hits. Sometimes you, you know, I, I don't know that I want him to just keep making before sunrise movies you know that's what everybody wants is him to come out and play the hits they want him to come out and be a legacy act you know they they want him to come out and be on tour like pavement playing all the the greatest hits you know and i don't think that's who he is i think that he's gonna keep wandering around and looking at new things and and some of them you know like like school of rock you know can be quite good when they seem like very out of his wheelhouse or a bad idea, you know, but just as easily they can be bad news bears or whatever. So I I don't know. I'm very excited for this because Linkletter is a filmmaker, again, that I identify with a lot. I love a lot. I feel like I feel like I love him and I love his movies. It's a very strange thing to say, but I feel like with as with Tsukamoto, like I have a personal relationship to him. In Another Day at the Office, he talks about how he got an old friend of him sent him a box of cassette tapes and on these cassette tapes as they had both gone to college far away from each other they would record each other letters rather than write rather they would record each other letters rather than write to each other so there are these audio recordings that he made for his friend talking about what he's doing and what he wants to happen and little films he's trying to make and his friend sent all of them back to him i really feel like link letters movies have that quality of getting that cassette tape from him you know and putting it in you're getting richard linkletter's cassette tape uh, a lot of the time you know and there's weird ones in there that are duds that like he sent you a mixtape and it's all like radio rock and you're like i don't know what this is man thanks for <laughs> sending it you know i'll look forward to the next one you know but i always want to get that tape in the mail yeah sukumoto hands you a movie linkletter hands you the mixtape i get it <laughs> uh it's funny you know being this age where you've had like oh you realize there are these artists who, you know, whose career they've had longevity and like you've followed it your entire life. And yeah, uh, you're kind of seeing it kind of in the latter, you know, half of, of their career. And like, like Stephen King, for example, is somebody who like when he started his Dark Tower series and he always said, like, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. This might someone else might have to finish it for me if I die. You know, I don't know if I'm going to get yeah. to the end of this. This is such a big thing. 
that I'm doing and releasing over my career. And there was that time where it was like, oh, no, he got hit by a truck and we didn't know how bad it was. Maybe he was going to die, you know, or like maybe he was never going to get to finish the Dark Tower story. And then he did really quickly, you know, he like wrapped it up. <laughs> and then it was weird to have Stephen King after the Dark Tower, you know, and it was like, huh. And what are these, what do I feel about these new books that are coming out? Like some of them are good, some of them are bad, but they're dead. You kind of lose like a weird, weirdly kind of lose a connectivity to his, his career and his work when he's finished that big thing. And Richard Linklater, obviously he finished this uh, before trilogy. He finished uh boyhood, which literally took him years of his life to film. And that was a real kind of like, what now moment, you know, where it's like, those were his big, big projects, like the, year spanning projects that he completed and now yeah. it's like and, and we probably didn't even expect them to get done yeah and then they were and now what and i kind of like that i kind of like that about artists where it's like there's that real surprise like they could really surprise you with a movie that comes out you know, like you're like you said two or three maybe come come by you don't even notice them you know yeah oh there was a new stephen king short story anthology i didn't even know you know just <laughs> yeah. totally missed it um but then there might be one that you never you never know and this one Feels like it could be could be it. They, he wrote it with Glenn Powell, which I think is really cool. Did you see the actress who stars in it? It's the lead actress from the Belko experiment. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Adria Arjona is the uh, lead female in this. So, yeah. So it could be interesting. This could be, you know, or it could just be, you know, another one of his, okay, movies. Yeah. And that's fine, too. That's what I kind of like about this, the, the, the post- uh, masterpiece post epic you know era of an artist's life yeah it's like you don't really know what to expect and it's kind of fun well it's interesting too because right after those two you mentioned before midnight and uh boyhood the next one is everybody wants some which is to me uh, in the running for his my favorite of his movies I it's it it's, so much. it's it's in so the running great. and it's got yeah. glenn powell and so i can talk myself into this one although sort of the vibes coming off of this one are a little bernie ish this one has a little bit of that like uh, i know people love bernie i am not one of those people <laughs> do people and love the, bernie interesting people do love bernie bernie has oh. a good reputation which is deeply shocking to me i always um, feel like i should watch it again me Maybe too that's not the right inclination i don't know maybe i would like it more i've seen it three times now and and each time i'm like ready to give myself over to it and i can't do it Okay. Each time I'm like this, this, this was a bad idea to do it this way, and it doesn't work. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, John, what's your last choice? The, I don't want to leave on that negative note. I'm no. very excited for a new Richard Link letter. I mean, these filmmakers we've been through already. He's just a filmmaker who means so much to me, and I'm ready to go wherever he goes. Like you. All right. So I got two here. I got uh, one that I, I'm sure you're probably not as interested in as I am, and the one that might interest both of us possibly. So the first one is. Uh, it's a new documentary by the Brazilian director, uh, and again, sorry for the pronunciations, uh, Kleber Mondoca Fijo, who made uh, Neighboring Sounds, Aquarius, and Bakaru. Two of them were very, very good, and Bakaru was one of my favorite movies of that year with the yeah. stellar Tony Stella poster, I should mention. Just yeah. Really, really good movie. Um, and this new film is about uh, the 20th century uh, movie palaces of Recife that are all gone, you know, that have completely disappeared and vanished. It's Sounds like a nice, like, 90-minute love letter to, you know, that community. Is he from Recife? I don't know if he's from there, but that's what this movie that's is That's interesting. About. So, um, Pictures of Ghosts is what it's called. So, uh, that's one that I'm definitely, I did not expect it to be part of the festival. And so, 
the fact that it is makes me excited. You know, yeah. It's definitely one I would love to jump into. And the other one, which I also didn't expect to be at the festival, it was a late announcement, I think. I didn't see it in the earlier uh, list of films, is the new Vin Vendors film that he made with Koji Akusho as the star, Perfect Days, which people are saying is his best movie in years. What which... a low bar to clear. I know, I know. But like, <laughs> people, like it's getting like, perfect like scores from critics and yeah i know i know <laughs> that should <laughs> that should be a warning sign uh but koji yakusho is the star i mean that enough is like interesting yeah. just me Vin vendors please redeem yourself after beautiful days event uh anna juez which is the worst movie i've ever seen that's it like literally unwatchable film uh i would love for that to happen so it's a nice surprise that that one's going to end up at the festival yes it's it's um that one's on my list of the like of the with together 99 of like the six films that I'm like, I have every reason I'm going to go into the theater and be like psyched and believe I'm going to see a good movie like I'm going to go and sit down. It's it's funny. He's a filmmaker who's been so bad for so long that the shitty part of his career is so much larger than the good part of that. <laughs> sure. You sure. know, that like, and, uh, you know, I know there are people who will defend until the end of the world, which is nuts, but I'm not even a particularly big fan of Wings of Desire, but I will give you Wings of Desire, right? I have the same, um, yeah, exact same feeling. But yeah. that's like, you're going back to 87 to find a narrative feature that is not terrible. Right. Like right. it's and I think most people would agree far away. So close, you know, into violence, a million dollar to hotel, th things like this, that these are terrible movies. Now, he did have two uh, good documentaries in that time. And Buena Vista Social Club and Pina are both interesting. But but he has really been bad for so long that the idea that there would be a bunch of people saying there's a new Van Wenders movie and it's great. It's, it's might be as good as the great stuff he made. You know, it might be Alice in the city's American friend level. And you're like, what? That can't be true. You know? And yeah. then you remember that the early part of his career, he's, he's great. Kings of the Road, American Friend, you know, Alice in the Cities, Goalkeeper's Anxiety, Penalty Kick, Paris, Texas. Like he's he's fucking phenomenal at the beginning. He's so good at the beginning. You go, oh, what if he did that again? That would be like a miracle. You know, that would be an absolute miracle. And for some reason, I believe it. For some reason, I believe that it's actually good. I believe people. What if this movie is the opposite of Hammett? What if it is this brilliant <laughs> movie in this sea of terrible films? <laughs> um, yeah, I am definitely, I can see that. That's that's one that I'm I'm excited for. I'm surprised. I have to mention as a six pick, the one I'm excited for that I can't believe w was not on your list. Although I guess you're not as big of a fan of him as me is uh, Monster, Coriata's new movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that, for monster. Yeah. I mean, Koreeda is the greatest Japanese filmmaker of this century, and the run he's been on is is nothing short of breathtaking. You know, it's it's knockout after knockout, and that's a movie that I I know the buzz on Monster has not been uh, super duper great. Just as I know that the that the um that the broker was not 
super well received. And the broker is like, you know, it's it's lesser masterpiece by him, but it's quite good, you know, uh, that I'm excited for Monster as well. Uh, Corey Aid is the director of of Shoplifters, which won the Palme d'Or, obviously. Um, and like Father Like Son, Our Little Sister, I Wish, After the Storm. These are some of my very, very favorite modern movies. Uh, and so I think Monster is going to be good. They're absolutely great. And I am not less of a fan. I just, I really think After the Truth, that his French film and Broker, his Korean film, uh, it, it's just a slight amount of like, well, give me something more, you know, really yeah. wanting like another masterpiece and the fact that he's returning to japan although i mean he's done a lot of tv stuff in japan he does that great netflix show uh, uh the the mac and i is really mm -hmm. fun and if you love if you love seeing delicious food on screen you know Corey yeah. is like number one for doing that so <laughs> uh so he's been doing japanese tv but this is his big return to doing a feature in japan and uh so obviously i'm excited for that no question now let me just fill out that list of six that um i don't know how to describe them they're like films that normally would be have like red flags for me but for some reason i'm going in just like i i believe in these i believe in them yeah. and i mentioned the together 99 the lucas mudison and the red flag on that one is that i don't like the original together that much um perfect days when vendor hasn't made a great movie in a long time um eat fallen leaves by aki Kurismaki. Yes, I'm I'm that's he's a filmmaker who's very Vim Wenders ish in his iffiness, although he doesn't have the golden era of pure masterpieces that Wenders does. But for some reason, just I'm I've looked at it. I've watched saw some stills, read a little bit of the description. And you know what? I'm in the mood for him. I haven't had that flavor in a long time. He's a really distinct flavor. It's been probably 10 maybe 12 years since I've watched one of his movies and I'm completely in the mood for it. I'm going to sit it's been there five or six years since his last film. Yeah. yeah. This is another long stretch. Yeah. I haven't put anything on and he's, and he's an interesting director, whatever he is, he's him, you know, and for whatever reason, it's been long enough for me that I'm, I'm in the mood for it and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to enjoy it. I feel like, uh, another one is, um, Harmony Corinne's new movie, Agro Drift. Like mm -hmm. he's, he's somebody who, is obviously his whole thing is being irksome and irritating, you know, sort of being a thorn in the side of of humanity. Being he's the the human equivalent of the guy who annoys you at the beach, the drug addict who comes up and is bothering you and isn't asking you for money. So you can tell him you don't have any money. You're just like, what does this adult guy want from me? That's Harmony Corinne. But he's That's made a literally my, my my experience meeting <laughs> Harmony Corinne was panhandling me for an hour <laughs> but um but he's you know i like i like the uh the beach bum and i and i like yeah. the uh sexy spring, bank robbing spring girls spring, spring, spring breakers, breakers. That's, that's what where it's called. I, that we saw at tiff and that's where i totally turned around on him i up to that point couldn't care less even with yeah. uh, mr lonely i was just like nah yeah I, it's, I, people can like him that's fine i don't care for him i don't you know it's yeah. not my flavor no, no good and spring breakers is like holy shit i love it I love yeah. it. And I like the beach bum a lot. And yeah, that's when it turned over for me. I was like, all right. Yeah. Friend. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with them now. <laughs> exactly. He's doing yeah. stuff I like. And this one seems like it doesn't look like if any other filmmaker had made it, I'd be like, I am not down for that. That's sort of the red flag, but it's him and the run he's on and what he's doing. I'm with it. I'm going to sit down and have the feeling of I'm going to enjoy this. Um, Seven Veils by Adam McGoyan. 
that might be a little mm-hmm. more controversial. Talk about filmmakers who have fallen off of, who have the bad part of their career is so much bigger than the good part of it. But whatever, he's got two movies that that I absolutely love with Citadel and Sweet Hereafter. And those sort of buoy me up. I, I will never be fully out on him. And, you know, he's reteaming with Amanda Seyfried, who we saw that fucking ludicrous soft score movie <laughs> with her in it. Uh, but this is, you know, this is about staging an opera. You know, it's Seven Veils, obviously. Um, I'm just with it. Like Adam Agoyan, opera, like um, any music opera heavy movie, that's like always a good match. It's kind of hard to fuck it up. He's just, I, I don't know that I'm going to sit down and expect this one to be good, but I'm going to sit down and expect to get be into it that I feel like, oh, I don't want to have to sit through this. Like this has got to win me over. I feel like if this just, keeps to the low bar I've set for it. I'm I think I'm going to dig it. And then the last one that I think a lot of people are probably really excited for is Evil Does Not Exist, the Ryusuke Hamaguchi, his new movie, the mm-hmm. Mr. Drive My Car and um Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy which you and I both um both liked more than than Drive My Car. He's a it really interesting more. director. I don't know why this one has not gotten the super heat because he seemed like He's a major figure now after that drive my car. Yeah. Yeah. People are nuts for him. I'm really surprised that it hasn't gotten a bigger reception from people. That's that's a red flag. But I also like him a lot. And I think he's probably one of those directors who's probably a little too difficult and interesting to be that sort of world cinema figure that has to have some kind of of palpable audience appeal i suspect this is another interesting and difficult movie and that the appetite for that is is probably you know fairly fairly limited but i'm going to be with it those those are a, a good six to me that uh i think um i can't put them on the same level of excitement for the other you know ones we listed but i'm definitely i feel like i'm going to sit down and dig the hell but, out of them but if none of the ones we were excited for were going to be at the festival that's still a pretty solid lineup you know, yeah, still a reason for sure. To want to go for sure. Yeah, if that was if they were if there were half as many of the ones that were super psyched for, and this list, I'd be like, this is a solid lineup. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be absolutely. like, that's a normal year at TIFF. Is what I'd be like. <laughs> so I want to bring up this one film, I'm, and you know, I'll be coming back to just random films here and there while we're talking yeah. during this conversation. But one of the first thing I noticed when I looked at the slate of films is like so many movie stars directing movies. Oh my for God. Some yes. Oh my Did God. Did you count Michael, them all? Michael Keaton, Patricia Arquette, Ethan Hawke, her boyhood's co-star, Anna Kendrick, Kristen Scott Thomas, Viggo Mortensen, Finn Wolfhand, if you want to call him a star, is directing a, uh, co-directing a Canadian camp slasher movie. And uh, the one I want to talk about that was directed wait, by our... Wait, there's two more. Oh, sorry. I'm sure sorry. there are, but go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Who are they? No, no, the one you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. It was uh, our boy Chris Pine directed a movie called Pool Man. There's which... one more. There's one more. Who's the I other one? Who did I miss? Tony Goldwyn directed a movie. That's... Well, he's directed a few. He's more of a director these days than an Is actor. He? But... I always he think of his noted character actor and tough that's to look at person, Tony recently, Goldwyn. That he had directed that uh, Walk on the Moon movie or whatever. <laughs> that's tony goldwyn from ghost and traces cool man cool man directed by christopher pine i don't know anything about it but look at this cast danny devito annette benning jennifer jason lee stephen tobolowski 
Holy <laughs> shit! When was the last time you remember seeing Stephen Tobolowsky? Last time I remember him at all was like voicing a character in uh, Toy Story of Terror ten years ago. Like, holy <laughs> shit! Here's the character thing: actor, I legend Stephen Tobolowsky. I noticed this too, and what I found funny, I had a theory that didn't work out because there were four more filmmakers, but I noticed five of them. Right, and I was like, the more I like the actor, the less interesting the film is to me. And mm -hmm. the and the less I like all of these actors that I noticed, but the less I like the actor, the more interesting there's the film to me. So you have Michael Keaton with Knox Goes Away, which just looks like generic film festival movie. It just yeah. it could not look more like nothing. But I love Michael Keaton. He's my favorite of all these guys. So I would give that a chance because I I love Michael Keaton. And then the next one is Patricia Arquette, who I love almost hold as on, much as stay on Knox goes away real quick because I wanted to yeah. mention it's a movie about a hitman diagnosed with dementia trying to redeem himself, oh, right? God. Yeah. Yeah, that's the plot. Uh played by Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton has directed a movie before and not many people I think would recognize that. 2008 it was called The Merry Gentleman. He was the director and the star, and it's also about a hitman. So that's just his <laughs> thing, directing himself, playing a hitman. Uh, and Knox Goes Away, I should mention, is from the writer of The Spy Next Door, C-Spot Run, oh, David Arquette, Tom Chat, Jerry O'Connell, National is... Treasure, Book of Shadows. It's, and... this, it's this year's Green Book, I'm calling it. <laughs> and Danger Zone 4, Mad Girls, Bad Girls. Also, Rosewood. Oh, my God. <laughs> you and I are the world's biggest C-Spot run defenders. There's three legitimately funny jokes in that movie. Um, also in Rosewood. Yes. Rosewood, <laughs> one of the all-time pieces of crapola. Um, just tell the story about the real women who saved the kids. It's a very harrowing and interesting story. Don't make up this ridiculous Bing Rames character. Um, so... But next is Patricia Arquette, who yes. I am like, I like almost as much as Michael Keaton. I adore her as an actress. I think she's very interesting. And then she made a movie about Hunter S. Thompson's personal assistant. Her With Willem Dafoe playing the Hunter S. Thompson surrogate, though. So I don't know. Yeah, but I, you want to see a movie about an autobiographical novel about a woman who is a personal... Do I want to see Hunter The Devil S. Wears Thompson. Prada with Hunter S. Thompson? Not necessarily, but no. I, I am curious to see Defoe's performance and James Urbaniak is in it. You so. Look, if you said to me, I want to see this slightly more than I want to see Knox Goes Away based <laughs> on just the films, I would believe it. It's Patricia Arquette, so I will probably talk myself into seeing this thing like you obviously have. Right <laughs> in the middle is Chris Pine, who I love as a movie star. I don't really know much about him as an actor. I find him an engaging screen presence. I would never be like, Chris Pine is in a movie, so I'll see it, unless it's like a Dungeons and Dragons movie, and then I'll be like, he's a movie star. That'll be, that's good casting. Pool man, I, I don't know. It's an interesting cast. It's about him playing <laughs> playing a pool man. Didn't Listen, Ben Affleck man. have a movie play where he played a pool man? Listen, early man, his career. all I know, all I know is that Chris Pine, you know, is obviously a charming movie star. I want to see him and stuff. But what endears me to him is that he makes a movie and he wants to cast Stephen Tobolowsky in his movie. You know, that is just enough for me to love Look, this guy. It's, it's completely endearing. I'm, I'm with it. You know, I, I would say that both the idea of like star studded, you know, pool Get boy me the movie gropey boss from single white female, <laughs> but just the star studded pool boy movie and Chris Pine, it's exactly middle of it. Then we have <laughs> Ethan Hawke, who 
as much as I've come around on Ethan Hawke, he will be forever for the rest of my life, be the guy from, Hey, that's my bike that every girl in high school I had a crush on was in love with the kind, just the personal embodiment of my teenage sexual frustration is Ethan Hawke. I've come around on the him. The guy who reads Heigl with the cover proudly displayed. Yes. <laughs> he- no, it's a uh, Heidegger. He's reading okay, in the diner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he sucks. Hey, that's my bike. Um, yeah, I've come around on him, and and uh, but I probably like him less than Patricia Arquette and Michael Keaton and Chris Pine. Although this movie, Wildcat, it's a Flannery O'Connor movie, and normally I'm not into biopics, but there's something about that character that makes me go, "Huh, she was a genuinely weird, irascible minor figure." I I would see this movie yeah probably yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I think that'd be interesting yeah Did yeah you see why? who we cast as Flannery O'Connor uh who his fucking daughter bro <laughs> she's a legitimate actress people love uh, her uh, I would I had that down from I had that down as one of my must avoids really. Yes, I did. Look, it's on one side of the spectrum, you know. I know. I, I, I love, I love, 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 adore, love Flannery O'Connor more than most people in the more than anybody who ever existed in the history of the world. Uh, you know, this movie is takes its title from a, a short story, which is about an old man who thinks he can smell a wildcat that his mother used to tell him about when he was a child. He th- he's convinced it's stalking him, and it's going to rip him to pieces. Right? It's a story about how we all sense death around us all Flannery O'Connor, the writer, Southern Gothic writer of A Good Man is Hard to Find, famous woman Catholic nut job, uh, very uh, uh, abrasive person, but go on, John. Old man smells a wild cat that's stalking him, and he, you know, it's about how we all sense death around us all the time. Well, I can smell this film coming, and I'm not interested. (laughs) I stepped on your fucking Gene Shalit line. And then the last one is Anna Kendrick's Woman of the Hour, Right. And Anna yeah. Kendrick is like, she seems very nice. Great. She's been in some movies I like. She seems cool. Nothing. I was, wondering if, you, I was wondering if you had read this, about this one already. But then the fucking movie, it's the Rodney Akala on the on the dating, the dating game, game movie, yeah. which is like, holy fucking shit. Like her doing it. I don't know. I'm really interested in this one. I'm really interested. I don't How know you what it's going to be. Such a crazy story. Serial killer. Rodney Alcala, who went on the dating game and won, yeah. only to have the date, you know, reject him afterwards. <laughs> but still, because he's a little creepy, because he's a murderer, because he's a, a grotesque, sadistic serial killer. Um, it could be one of those things. Ten minutes in, where you're just like, "Oof, this was a mistake." I, I'm not ruling that out, you know. But it <laughs> could be. It could be also just one of those things that's that's just weird enough to be fun and interesting. But yeah. then the you know. But then that doesn't that that spectrum doesn't work when you throw in Dead Don't Hurt Vigo Mortensen's Western North Star, which is about three sisters, family ladies, I don't know, by Kristen Scott Thomas, Ezra by Tony Goldwyn and the uh, Finn Wolfhard, uh, you know, slasher and ironic quotation marks movie, which is like, do we need another one of those? Isn't that well dry? I'm surprised. Let me let me throw this movie to the bottom (laughs) of that well just to make sure. Of it. Yeah, the Harmony Corinne is literally the only, I mean, we've already, you already mentioned that the Midnight Madness uh, programming has been awful for years, but literally the Harmony Corinne is the only one of these that's even, I can even remotely see myself seeing from this slate of uh, films in Midnight Madness this year. 
And that's what's real, crazy real about, the, about their Midnight Madness programming is it's not there's so many interesting genre films every single year. There's dozens and dozens. They somehow managed not to program any of them and their track record of the things they put in place. The other things they get are so abysmal. It's, it's, this is not our opinion. Like go look at what they have programmed. There's just nothing to hang your hat on there. You know, it's, it's totally, it is bizarre. I don't know who does their midnight madness programming, but they absolutely need to be, um nobody deserves to be fired they absolutely need to reprimanded to find god (laughs) they need to go pray at the dark altar of satan and you know have their pineal gland activated by eating a bucket of brains in the hospital or something needs to happen because it's just can you imagine programming the like it's it's a self-aware meta slasher directed by finn wolfhard you know, like that with everything that's out there. Yeah, Jeepers yeah. creepers, man. Can't can't see can't see it happening. But I'll throw out a few more random ones and then we can get kind of get back on track with our um uh must avoids and our wild card picks. Um some things are just kind of interesting, like, huh, I haven't thought about this person or this 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 thing in years. <laughs> now suddenly here's a new thing. Like Lee Tamar Hori's got a new film. <laughs> You know, he was an interesting director for a while. He did Once for Warriors. Yeah. Uh, really interesting film. He directed uh, a Bond film that I believe the first half is actually one of the best Bond films. And the second half is the worst Bond film. <laughs> Die another day. Uh, the Edge. I mean, some interesting like genre films from this guy. And he suddenly got a new one, which has Guy Pierce involved in a bloody war between the Maury tribes in the 1830s. The conflict yeah. is like. I'd see that. Sure. Yeah. It I think cool. it is I think it is eminently fair to call him an interesting director and to call the description of that film interesting. I think yeah. it's very fair to say all of that. <laughs> and then we've got uh Hey Victor, which is Cody Lightning, the child actor from Smoke Signals, trying to put together like a self-produced sequel to Smoke uh Signals. I guess you would call it a legacy sequel at this point. Um, but like, that's the, it's like a meta comedy where like everyone's playing themselves. So this is not a sequel to smoke signals. It's something different, but it's, he got Gary Farmer, he got Adam beach. So it's like everybody from that movie. And it's one of those things where it's like, like, I don't love smoke signals or anything, but it's like, huh, that's, that's something I'd be curious about at least. For sure. For sure. Are these your wild cards? Are we getting into your wild cards? I guess you could call them wild cards. I've just kind of thrown out a bunch of random ones honestly at this point it's like uh the promised land you know historical danish film from the director of a royal affair starring mads also the guy directed the dark tower (laughs) but (laughs) well that's the thing there's there's a few movies that are like we should mention there's there's some movies that i think people would really be interested in there that that you and i probably aren't like jonathan glazer's new movie the zone of interest you and i are not particularly fans of his work i know a lot of people are psyched from that one put my gene shallot mustache back on here it's not in my zone of interest (laughs) i would i will probably see it i i don't dislike his movies uh to any meaningful extent and he's definitely they're always they've been something not nothing i think it's fair to say about he's one of those directors who it's just like the worst thing about him are his fans you know he just cannot i I just cannot take the overpraise of those movies and people claiming it's the greatest films ever made it's got it's the chris nolan problem i think just like yeah maybe that director i would respect more people just didn't treat him like he was the second coming of cinema 
He's, I mean, he's the definition of style over substance, yeah. which is like, you know, fine. That's at least something. Substance is at least something. Um, there's also uh, new movies by Brian Helgeland who, uh, called Finest Kind, starring Tommy Lee Jones. One word, Finest Kind. Finest Kind. Uh, <laughs> a director. Donnie Brooke. I know. Yeah, I know. He's one of those directors that like like Lee Tamahori, where it's like, is he something? He was something for a while there, was he? I don't know. I've lost, I can't I can't decide whether this is something or nothing um, with, with yeah. this. I think and this is more stars... on the uh, no reason to think this is something side with the convert <laughs> being on the reason to think this is something size. And that movie stars Tommy Lee Jones and also Toby Wallace. You put them together, you got Tommy Lee Wallace. So maybe we can have like a Halloween <laughs> three sort of situation going on here. Um, but, but it's, you know, it's a, I think you're right. It's a blue collar, such and such. I think we're Different. in Donnybrook territory. <laughs> um, there's also uh, Marco Bellocchio has a new movie called Kidnapped. Yeah. He's a, he's an interesting director, but I, I, he entered that Hermano only territory of like, his heyday is so far in the past and he makes these sort of generic Euro art films. Now I, I really, they're the seams all show whatever, whatever magic he had is, is long since gone. He's kind of interesting. You know, I'm not against it. I I'm done trying to talk myself into excitement for his movies, but if one turned out to be really great or really interesting, it also wouldn't surprise me if I saw that and it was like, Hey, this is actually the, on the, the, the good side of things. It, it would not shock me. Mm-hmm. Another blast from the past. I saw the name Tarzan Singh pop up in one of these. Oh films, Jesus, like, really? Wow! Like the guy who, what's that movie called? Is it called The Cage? The the, the cell. The, the cell. cell. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's the movie they'll get pop. They'll crop up every once in a while. People saying like, "Oh, that's a masterpiece," and you're like, "Really?" The Fall as well. The, people people yeah. will try and tell you the Fall is watchable, and it is not. <laughs> it's unwatchable. People. Some people are so seduced. By production design and costumes that they will that they will watch a literal pile of shit if it's filmed <laughs> properly i'd watch a pile of shit i was just thinking i watch river of fundament but um i i you know i you know whatever i agree with you there's um there's two movies these might be these these how about we go into our wild cards these i'm going to say sure. these are my three wild cards more than more than any other um you, you want to do must avoid movie first so we don't yeah like let's get it out of the way note. yeah all right for me for me okay uh, we'll say it on three. One, two, one, three. viva varda dumb money <laughs> oh dumb money is one I of my wild viva cards varda would John. probably be your choice dumb, dumb money is one... a wild card for yeah. you yeah but viva varda okay go on okay dumb money right for me at least uh it's funny because we we talked about craig gillespie this year on the podcast <laughs> we had him in on a fire from the fire and I always think of him as like the guy who made Mr. Woodcock in the remake of Fright Night. And there's at least one other movie. I'm like, those are decent films. Like, he's a decent director. I don't think of him as the Lars and the Real Girl guy um, or the Cruella yeah. guy. But then he manages to assemble a cast that, like, could not repel me more. Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, Shailene Woodley, Dane DeHaan. <laughs> These are people I will avoid movies if they are in them. And they're all together in one movie. <laughs> doesn't matter that the very end of the cast they threw in Clancy Brown. Too late. Too late. This cast is completely repulsive to me. So I didn't even read what it was about. I was like, I am out. Um, let me, I I can understand that. And I have no, I have no defense against such a well-argued and well-reasoned 
listing of a cast, but I, but I will get to my wild card and why I'm interested in when we okay, switch sure. wild cards. Viva Varda, this is the documentary about Agnes Varda. And I was really shocked hearing about this documentary. John, did you know that um, Instagram star and adorable grandma Agnes Varda also made movies? Did you know that? That this Get professional, adorable grandma who's known for like sitting with a cat on her head and, you know, saying, I wonder what peaches dream of on Instagram, that she also for a time was an incredibly interesting and talented filmmaker. Did you know that she made Le Bonheur, which is one of my absolute favorite films? Were you aware <laughs> of that? Get out of here. I didn't. I thought she was all about the bright hair dyes and, and, and just being quirky. Yeah, oh. she's a quirkster. She's super quirkster. No, I hate what modern social media culture has done to her. And I, I mean, done to herself as well, although I don't necessarily think it's her fault. But this movie is clearly, you know, Viva Varda. It's it's clearly just Agnes Varda as adorable meme, the movie with with I'm sure it'll talk about her films and blah, blah, blah and all that. And if it actually causes people to see the films and not just wear T-shirts with her name on it in, you know, black print, black letters and tote bags with little drawings of her on it, then I will be happy because she made a few really interesting films. Uh, and if, you know, if we get love on her out there, that would be phenomenal. But um, but it's just really I could not I could not imagine anything that would annoy me and frustrate me more than this film. It would just it would just I can feel my fist bawling in anger just thinking about this garbage. You're not going to get your knitwear Agnes Varda sweater you bought off Etsy and go into the theater <laughs> and eat your uh, your avocado uh, bagel while watching the film. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I, yeah, I just, you could not, you could not make me see this. If you were like, you have to watch Viva Varda in order to ever watch Close Your Eyes, I don't think I would do it, John. <laughs> That's not true. I'd do it. I'd watch Viva, you, I'd watch Viva would, Varda. You would do it. I would do it. I would so do other other God no damn it. Ways, <laughs> other no fucking ways for me that I just want to throw out real quick. Obviously, there are films that people are fans of these directors. I'm not Alexander Payne, uh, my, Michael Winterbottom. You can have my seat, guys. Oh, you know, Winterbottom. God bless you, oh, God bless you God. guys. Take it. Winterbottom is never again. Never again will yeah. I will I think maybe this Winterbottom movie is good. He is the king of getting me in there and disappointing me. Yeah. No filmmaker have I been more disappointed by than Michael Winterbottom. Uniformly disappointed. Sorry, yeah. go on. Yeah, no, that's a no for me. Uh, but in terms of nepotism, I already talked about Ethan Hawke casting his own daughter to play with the greatest writer in American history. Uh, but there's also this is this one, Upon Open Sky, which is directed by newcomers Mariana Ariaga and Santiago Ariaga, Ariaga, the children of Guillermo Ariaga, who wrote the movie for them. He wrote Babel, 21 Grams, Three Burials of Malekes Estrada. Uh, and of course, it's a revenge drama set on the U.S.-Mexican border. And it's just like, yeah, not for me. Not for me, that one. <laughs> um, I mean, one of, the dad in me wants us to be like, that is so sweet to like give your kids a movie, write a movie for your kids when you are a professional, pretentious writer like he is. But like, get out of here. Get out of my face with it, please. <laughs> um, you're making me, now you're making me think about some of this stuff where it's like, I think... I think all three of my wild cards are like ones 
that could have slid into the no fucking way. I've tried to pick wild cards where I saw the downside really, really strongly because mm-hmm. the upside is so clear on so many films this year that my wild cards have a lot of downside, John, to it. So I one was Dumb Money, Dumb Money by Craig Gillespie. And I like this real story of the of the 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 diamond hands uh stock uh, of people trying to make the game stop stock uh of uh increase in value i don't know much about the stock market at some point i had this explained to me i'm sure if i sat there i could remember but i like these sort of like blue collar taking on the big establishment stories i think everybody cast in the film is supposed to be unlikable in some way i think it doesn't want to shy away from the idea that these are not charismatic people that these are like blue collar schmoes uh, who who have a rough edges to them fighting back against polished people right fighting back against the establishment and there's something about that that I, i i don't know um I feel like it could go either way. I feel like this could be a movie like The Big Short, which is another movie I loved, which is a director who's not necessarily known for doing more serious things, taking on financial fraud and malfeasance and 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 examining it in sort of a breezy uh, comedy kind of way. And I'm, I don't know. I feel like it could go either way. I feel like, uh, but it's also wild card where I also feel like when the time comes for me to watch it, I might go, oh, I don't want watch this you know i feel like that could happen as well that's what makes it a wild card to me right now the next one wait let me just say yeah that's good defense that they're all unlikable on purpose okay the only i and god bless gillespie you know he's got yeah sure why didn't he cast miles teller to go with the rest of these guys that's what i want to know just get all of my most (laughs) quote-unquote movie stars in here um uh so but if you want to talk about casts to keep you away from a movie Mm. my next wild card has the cast to keep you and me away from the movie it stars aquafina and sandra oh it's called quiz lady and and i will tell you the reason i'm interested in this film um is that it's directed by this woman, Jessica Yu, who made this movie about Henry Darger called In the Realms of the Unreal that I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. And then she made this kind of um, breezy goofball comedy called Ping Pong Playa right after it that I really enjoyed as well. It's it's not a great film, but I enjoyed it. And I said, you know what? This could go. I want to give this director a chance, you know, and these are big stars for this movie they clearly mean for it to be something it's a goofball comedy it's about going on a quiz show to pay off gambling debts right and i like that's a good setup i like shit like that you know like i this could go either way this is if it can get over the aquafina sandra o hump i you know it could be something that i really really enjoy and maybe it'll be one of those things where it's you know it proves to me like oh i see what their appeal is now i've been too hard on them for too long you know i was wrong they're great i was an idiot all along and i like to believe that movies can do that to me convince me i'm wrong and and show me the things that people are enjoying that i haven't enjoyed up until this point and how to actually um you know, uh, of, of 
find the handle on things that I want to enjoy that other people like. My uh, daughter um, has programmed a movie night for us every week of the summer, right? Yeah. And uh, our most recent one that she showed was Ray and the Last Dragon she wanted to put on. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to watch that one. And she was like, why not? It's good. I was like, I that's so I'm not in the mood. She was like, well, why don't you like it? I was like, ah, okay. Yeah. I don't remember why I don't like it. Go ahead and turn it on. And for the first 20 minutes or so, I was like, oh yeah, this is actually, this isn't bad. Why did I not like this? Yeah. And then Aquafina's dragon shows up and I was like, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Let me, <laughs> but let me add one little twist to quiz show. It also has Jason Schwartzman playing an obnoxious antagonist. I don't think we've seen that since Mike Morona's slackers. <laughs> no no there's uh scott pilgrim he's the bad guy oh is he i never saw that movie yes yeah. due to me not being a dorkus malorcus <laughs> just kidding i'm a dork uh due to me not liking obvious stupid bullshit for morons is that is that a better way to, to phrase that <laughs> is that a more generous generous way of phrasing that um but i will see quiz lady which is definitely not obvious bullshit for morons <laughs> No way, Jose. My third wild Enjoy card, it. and then I'll let you do your three wild cards, is this is another one that, like, I know this guy has fallen out of fashion. And and I get it. I get why people hate him. I, sorry, I understand what happened. Yeah, this one is called Next Goal Wins by Taika oh, Waititi. Okay. I thought you were uh, going to go with the Louis C.K. Uh, documentary. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going with Next Goal Wins by Taika Waititi. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that I really love what we do in the shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People and uh, Thor Ragnarok. Those are in some of his other movies like Boy, I like, I like to a certain extent. He was a filmmaker that I think it's easy to diagnose what happened with this guy. He believed his own hype. He bought into himself. He became an obnoxious Hollywood insider who thought that everything he touches is gold and everything he does is funny, right? It's it's obvious what happened to him. But I'm still willing to give this film a shot because he made three movies that are perfect entertainments, you know, that are perfectly yeah. entertaining films, that are three comedies that are very different kinds of comedies that all narratively play really, really well, that are all very satisfying and have some measure of depth and complexity to them. And so I'm going to like, I look, I get it. Like, I get why you fucking hate them. I saw, you know, uh, Free Guy and Love and Thunder. You know, I fucking understand. I didn't see the, you know. Hitler boy dances to David Bowie movie, but I look, I understand, you know, I'm not here to, to be an unabashed defender of him, but I do think he, he deserves a little bit of a defense that, that the pile on is both justified. And I, you know, everybody got your shots and he's not as bad as all that. There are definitely less talented, less likable, less funny, less interesting people out there. But the other help you have to get over is that this is a soccer movie. You know, I'm I'm being generous as well. I like inspirational sports movies. Uh, I, I can't with unambiguously time... happy endings like Victory. Am I remembering I that remember movie correctly? Fassbender being in a movie for a long time, like The Counselor's the last time I remember seeing him in a movie. He's been sitting out, sitting on the sidelines for a while there. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, so for that I reason. I'm I you know would be interested in seeing this. Although I will say, if you did have the Taika Waititi, uh, you know, uh. Prejudice. The movie <laughs> at the festival is uproar. 
starring Julian Dennison, the star of Done for the Wilder People, in a yeah. coming-of-age story of a boy with a Maury heritage. So he's delightful. So, you know, if you want your kick from Wilder People, you can see that one as well. Very good. John, give Just me your three wild cards. Just throw it give out me... there. I'll, I'll um, watch it if it well, I'll watch it if it's in a good time slot. <laughs> um that's an earnest recommendation, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, my first wild card is a film that I found out about when it won the uh, camera door at Khan. Uh so it's a first uh, time feature. It's Inside the Yellow Cocoon Shell, a Vietnamese film uh by Fanthe and An. And it's a story of a man who's tasked to deliver his sister's body to their countryside hometown, traversing the mystical landscapes of Vietnam. I'm really fascinated by Vietnam as a country and a culture and yeah. history. Uh, so, you know, there we get so few insights, you know, from an actual Vietnamese artist. So for that reason alone, I would be interested in seeing that. So that's could could be good, could be bad. But, you know, it's I think yeah. it would at least be interesting and I would at least like to see that country on film the 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 problem with a lot of tips international programming is low profile and unknown filmmakers they have a really bad track record on if it's a filmmaker i haven't heard of and it's from ecuador and it's at tiff it's i it's i just i just don't buy it i need to Mm. know i need more info i've just seen too many mediocrities they're they're not a great discovery festival in that way. Um, they don't have a great programming track record in that way. And so there's a lot of movies that if I don't, if I don't know, you know, the anything about it, I'm just very hesitant to get on board. Yeah, but I so I understand. I but so I understand completely when it has an interesting description. It's a perfect wild card for me. For we'll see. Except when you do discover something like the empty box that you know doesn't have a necessarily interesting description. It just happens to be what's playing during that time when no big profile things are, are going and you've discovered the best movie of the festival. You know, well, that's, it it's funny. You and I were talking about is what word in a film description will cause us more to be uh, unlikely to see it. And you picked refugees, whereas I picked the word <laughs> Canadian. Right. And, uh, but, but then I was saying, you know, that's funny because, you know, movie about Canadian refugee, uh, but one of the grace movies that we discovered as a discovery there, Munger Lazar, you know, Ooh, right. That's, sure. it's about a refugee in Canada, you know, <laughs> well, so people just goes trying to, to show... get people trying to catch that Lazar lightning in a bottle. Again, <laughs> you know? I think that's why we've seen so many in the last 15 years or however long. Yeah, but it is, it is a, um, uh, a, a, a funny thing in that way. So a funny thing about like having the resource of, of letterboxed when you're looking at the, uh, the films that are coming out this, you know, for, for the, uh, for the festival is that you click on the filmmaker and you immediately see a picture that makes you go, no, <laughs> <laughs> some hipster doofus in a cowboy hat and a fucking Nirvana shirt. And you're like, God, no. Oh, and his name. There are many like that. The one I'm thinking about particularly is Weston. In Rizzuli. I knew exactly who you were talking about that name, Weston Rizzuli. I was yeah. like, this might be interesting. And then you see the director photo and you're like, I am out 1000% Weston Rizzuli. <laughs> two things, two things. First, first you read uh, a fairy tale set in Wyoming, which characters battle a witch, outwit a huntsman and befriend a fairy starring Leo Tipton from Damsels in Distress. And you're like, huh, huh, that could be something interesting. And yeah. then you see the picture of Weston Rizzuli and you see the word neo fairy tale. And you're like, <laughs> Ah, 
maybe not. Maybe not. I am going to put that in my wild cards because it's exactly what you described. Could be the Beowulf and Grendel of the, of the festival, the literal worst thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Or yeah. It could be that Weston Rizzoli uh, transcends his uh, hipsterish. Oh, God. I don't know what it is. Now I'm, I'm just now I'm just slandering. No, it's I don't know what it is. Now I'm just slandering this poor guy who made this movie that I'm sure is just I'm sure he's a nice enough guy. I'm sure he doesn't <laughs> need this, but it does, especially because we went to college with a bunch of guys like that, that we fucking loved. Uh, with Max Landis, not the bad Max Landis, but the one we went to. He was that kind. Of, I'm sure his director bio would have been him looking beautiful in a Prince t-shirt. And we would have been like this fucking guy. And then he was a great dude who made great movies. So what do we know, yeah, John? That's true. It's You're right. Should not judge people. I agree 100%. But, but, I but if you were going to judge <laughs> a single director in this entire Western Brazil would be a good one, a safe one to go with for sure. <laughs> if you had to pick one, for sure. Poor guy, this is like his fucking debut. He doesn't deserve this. I take it all back, Weston. <laughs> Sorry, Weston. Prove me wrong. I'll see your movie. Remember I this. Prove me wrong. It's your time Wait. to shine. And Weston, I will do a whole episode on yeah. Weston Rizzoli's directorial debut. Uh, which again is called Riddle of Fire. I don't think I mentioned it. it's called Riddle of Fire. I will do an entire Pink Smoke episode on the riddle of fire if it if it if he proves me wrong and it is a delight i agree 1000 percent. also all press is good press and think of how many of these tip previews weston you've listened to hundreds of tip previews <laughs> that have not mentioned your movie once how many tip previews you read that you don't even come up okay so we put it on the we put you on the <laughs> fucking map weston I'm willing to bet more podcast about TIFF 23 have mentioned that Knox Goes Away was by the writer of uh, Danger Zone 4, Mad Girls, Bad Girls, <laughs> that have brought up your movie, Riddle of Fire. This is the thing by doing all these festivals is you you meet everybody and everybody's nice and everybody's great and everybody's just trying to make their movies. And so my brain keeps switching between like cruel hearted film critic type dicking around with his friend on a podcast with you john cribs and like oh my god i'm sure this guy's a fucking sweetheart like that white dude in the daishiki at the chattanooga film festival he's a super nice guy um <laughs> uh yeah so i didn't have a third pick uh, i didn't come up with one because i'm so overwhelmed by the amazing amazing things that i'm excited for that i didn't think about discovery in this uh this festival per se so i'm so just Let's Scandal throw in one quick. more. Let's throw in one more wild card that I think is the bi other big film of that we haven't mentioned, Mother which Couch. is which is uh, about dry grasses, the new Nuri Bilge yeah. Saban okay. movie. Yeah. Yes, we have. I think that. that's a wild card. He's somebody you and I don't like. He to me is the definition no, 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 of art. No, 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 no. I wouldn't say I don't uh, like him. I I like uh, Once Upon a Time in Anatolia a lot. Yes. Like oh, that movie's fucking great. I'm sorry, and that like movie's the, great. And I like the last one uh, that I saw. Jeez, I can't remember the name now, but I really like the last one I saw at TIFF by him. I want to yeah. say Wild Shoot. Once Upon a Time in Anatolia is great. You're right. You're right. Pause You're right. Because I I got look this up. I was I was thinking mainly about the climates, and and how just like I don't know. Yes, I I was about to. Say things that I don't believe about him. He's capable of doing interesting, interesting things for sure. No, no, I'm with you. His earlier movies, I'm not a fan of at all. They're art uh, fraud. They're art uh, fraud. Anatolia is great, and the last one I saw by him at TIFF, The Wild Pear Tree, was really, really good as well. That stayed with me. So yeah, I would really like to see about dry grass. I think it's one that plays on that first day that that loaded first day that's going to make it 
impossible to see and it's, every great film like all but of his movies say, it's super long too so that's the thing is it is it bites into uh other things yeah exactly no i'm glad you brought that one up absolutely um yeah i'm someone unfortunately who gets really compelled by interesting cast in some of these you know and it gets worse when we get the the physical catalog to like leaf through and you see oh my god there's a picture of isabella rossellini what movie is this you know but yeah. um but there was one specifically, I told you so, it's an Italian flick. Did you notice this one? No. Valeria Galino, Riscacci, Danny Houston, and Valeria Bruni Tedeschi. And it's oh. Like, oh, that is a stacked film right there. That is a lot of women whose boobs I've thought about. Yeah, Danny Houston, absolutely. <laughs> but you could get in trouble with you, you know, going to a film like that. You could end up seeing something like Portrait of a Woman Lady on Fire with Valerie Galino. Yeah. Like, yikes. Yikes. Everyone hated that one. Am I right? <laughs> um, Chris, as a way of kind of ending things, like a big climax, I have a little game for you. Yes. Because we had gotten into a conversation about where you said, the word Canada is what turns you off of a description. But I said, they actually try to hide it's a Canadian movie until you like look at the details and see. Correct. I'm going to read you a few plot synopsises here. I want you to tell me, is it a Canadian movie or isn't it? Mm-hmm. Let's go ready? for it. Here's the first one. After the mayor of an idyllic island village discovers a child. Oh, by the way, chime in at any time. If you hear like a <laughs> word that makes you think it's Canadian, you yeah. get, you'll get points for like going in earlier. All right. It's a fast finger situation. After the mayor of an idyllic island village discovers a child with mysterious powers awash on their shores, the once peaceful community devolves into civil war, torn over the belief that the child is the next savior. This does not sound Canadian to me. Okay. I'm saying not Canadian. Final answer, not Canadian? Correct. Yes, it's Canadian. It's what? the King Tide, directed what? by Christian what? Sparks. What idyllic island in Canada... Off the coast of Newfoundland? Are they talking about St. Pierre and Miquelon? What Almost I certainly. Think. Almost certainly. <laughs> oh, for one. Let's go to That's the That's interesting. One. What made you think that... Nothing about that sounds like a Canadian movie from the festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Okay, so you got that's me. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes they hide they it. Sometimes bury they, it. Can, they can trick you. Here we okay, go. listeners, one. listeners, you should also understand that like a lot of Canadian things some of their public funding is dependent on like, I think 30% of the festival programming be Canadian. So they have a Canadian section every year that is full of films that are not up to snuff. This is the, it is the, the special Olympics section of the film. Maybe I won't say that. Is that too offensive? It is the, it is the fucking Arby's section of the festival. <laughs> All we'll say is if you see a bad movie and think to yourself, how did this get into the festival? Canadian. Eight, eight times out of ten? It's because it's a Canadian film. Yes. Uh, all right. We should actually have Martin Kessler do this with us. But uh... <laughs> All right. Here's the second one. Ready? Okay. The story of one young boy's journey from a small port town on the coast of Haiti in 1975 during the town celebrations of Carnival before a traumatic event forces him and his mother to flee to... Canada, Quebec, Canada. It's a Canada film. It is it's a Canadian film. Carnival, directed by Henri Pardo. You got me. You got me afraid to pull the trigger based on the last one. <laughs> I was hoping I, you would pull the trigger early on that one. The I was, Haiti was meant to throw you off. 
I know, and it did. I was like, "He's you've thrown me off successfully. You you are right. <laughs> they bury the Canada in it. Immigrant from Katie to Canada. <laughs> I know. Refugee very, to Quebec. Very, the very Canadian named Henri Pardo. Maybe okay. we got another Montreal Lazar on our hands. He was <laughs> Quebecois as well. He speaks that regional patois despised by actual French people. Sorry, go on. <laughs> All right. We got one out of two. While trying to buy a new home, a demolition worker is faced with the realities of redevelopment as he is tasked with this dismantling be Canadian. his rapidly gentrifying neighborhood. Canadian, Canadian, Canadian. It is not. Where is it from? Is it French then? It is Mountains, directed by Monica Sorel, an actual Haitian Creole film. <laughs> okay, Creole? Yeah, what did I say? Creole? Creole? Yeah. Yeah, an actual Haitian film. film. It's a Haitian film. What it is. All oh, right. you got me. You were throwing out these hard curveballs. Where am I some what if some of some slow pitches to warm me up? <laughs> Where's All one right. that's like a man in a bleak wilderness? <laughs> we're halfway through. We got three more. Okay. Here's your next one. Follows a woman grappling with the death of her mother as she brings her family to a retreat. When her relationship with her husband begins to affect the children's emotional security, the family is forever changed. I feel like that's Canadian, too. Now you have me thinking everything's Canadian. Yeah? That's your final answer? Yes. You're right. It's <laughs> Seagrass, directed by Meredith Hama Brown. Canadian film. That All is right. a very that is a very description of a Canadian film, too. That is, If you had started with that one, I would it have is, immediately it gotten it as being Canadian. It is, although there is, like, Death of the Mother family stuff. There is a lot of like international films that kind of like that's that's the jump off point, you know, is sort of yeah. like family conflict, domestic situations. All right. Sue Ellen is a toll booth attendant who starts using her job to help a gang of thieves steal watches from people driving to the coast, but only for a noble cause to send her son to an expensive gay conversion workshop. I, I feel like that's not Canadian, although I feel like you're trying to fool me with all of these now. So I'm second guessing myself. Not Canadian. I'm going not Canadian. You're right. It's not Canadian. It's told, directed by Carolina Markowitz, a Portuguese-Brazilian This film. is what's fucked up about this game, John, is you've tried to actually get <laughs> me to lose it, which is nuts. I thought you were going to, like, it was going to be a fun, like, that's a Canadian, and we'd both have a laugh no, about it. No, because we know these films so much. <laughs> I thought the only way I'm going to, this is going to be fun, is if I can trick him. So what am I, three of five now? Three of five now? Three out of five. And here's the last one. I'm going to warn you. This is tough. This is a tough one. Okay. Canadian While celebrating Boxing Day. Sorry. Can, Canadian documentary based on the life and career of legendary <laughs> Canadian. Canadian children's entertainer Henry, Henry, Ernie Coombs, or as he's more commonly known by millions of fans, Mr. Dress Up. The documentary celebrates the origins and history of one of Canada's most beloved CBC children's shows, Mr. Dress Up, which enriched the lives of five generations. The feature-length documentary celebrates the origins and history of Canada's favorite children's show, Mr. Dress-Up, which built a legacy of kindness, patience, inclusiveness. Oh, where's my Dr. Fad movie? I want my Dr. Fad movie. If we're getting a Mr. Dress-Up, where's my Dr. Fad? This is Canadian. This yes, is the most Canadian. This is the most Canadian. It's the most Canadian film of the, of the festival. Of the ever festival. made. Mr. Dress-Up, the magic of make-believe. It couldn't be more Canadian if they were showing it on a puddle of maple syrup. <laughs> 
<laughs> on on a, they're projecting it onto a moose. If they were projecting it into a puddle of maple syrup spilled on the floor of a Tim Hortons, it couldn't be Canadian. <laughs> While shooting hockey pucks between the moose's hooves. While a homeless guy yells at me. It couldn't be more <laughs> Toronto, Ian. And Kevin Smith applauds the entire time. Could not be more Canadian. <laughs> uh, Johnny Krabs. I can't believe I got four out of six. I thought you great. were you, you were trying to dunk me into the to the dunk take there, into the horchata tank, and I didn't fall for it. <laughs> your you your award? A cup of poutine when we get up to Toronto. <laughs> I can't wait i can't stand them john this was a lot of fun i'm super psyched to do this i will see you on wednesday which will be tomorrow the day after this episode comes out but five days now from when we're recording i'd be so confused to wake up in the morning and you might be listening to this episode like like a year from now like you might you might accidentally listen to it like they're evergreen this is interesting (laughs) stuff we're doing here uh anything else no, no. There's, I mean, there's a lot more to talk about, but I feel like let's not ruin the festival. Let's get there and see some movies and have more to talk about then. If you had to pick one film, one film to bet on surprising you in a good or a bad way, what would it be? I'm just going to say, I tried to make a joke about it earlier and you stepped up for it. What is it called? Uh, Mother Couch, is that what, really what it's called? Yeah, this, Mother Couch. This is a killer joke. I'm sorry I stepped on it. Ellen Burstyn won't move from a couch in a furniture store. <laughs> With Ewan McGregor uh, and Larry Flynn Boyle. She's only been in one movie in the last 10 years. She came back from Mother Couch. This is one of those movies that I, the genre I like to call Danny Deck Chair. Just yes. like who, who I can understand there's like a quick point of interest on the very very surface that if you think about it for 30 seconds you go well that's that's not that interesting enough to <laughs> spend the next six months of our lives working on this the all of us of making Twin this movie. falls a idaho that's what this film is ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, good night everybody you're not gonna pick one i've i've picked uh well now i no, i gotta let me pick one to surprise me uh, I think we've talked about the ones that I think um, might have a chance. There's a movie that I've thought about that I talked myself into as a wild card. And I was like, that clearly won't be good, though, which is How to Have Sex, which I was like, this could be like Morvern Caller. This is what this sounds like. That That's what that movie could be. Maybe that'll be good. Or maybe it'll be like... like um, baby blues and mall girls like it's in that same kind of vein with an unknown international uh filmmaker a woman that i don't know anything about sort of tackling a subject matter outside of my milieu and and maybe that could be great and then i thought about it's like i'm weird i'm trying to talk myself into this to this movie but that one i feel like i feel like that one might surprise me all right i hope it does it's got a good title Johnny Cribs, I will see you in Toronto very soon. See you in Toronto. I will pick you up at your house and we will drive to Toronto together very soon. Up north. Have a good night, everybody.